It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we're about to have a conversation that is the culmination of a lot of dialogue on this show about public polling, what it captures and what it doesn't. Uh, we're joined right now by one of our very favorite data scientists. And yes, this is the kind of show where we have favorite data scientists. Tressa Undum is the co-founder of Perry Undum. It's a nonpartisan public opinion research firm that works on healthcare and gender equity and all kinds of public policy issues that matter a very good deal to us. Tressa, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Oh, it's great to be here. Hi, Jess. Good morning. Hi. So you have done, I think, what is the first like truly substantive report on what drove voters in in 2020. And, and you have recently released it. And it is really interesting data and not the kind of findings that we are used to uh, when we get these post campaign audits of voter behavior. So I think my first question to you is, is can we can we go back to 2016 and unpack a little bit of that economic anxiety that all of the, the white vote for Trump was being ascribed to? Can, can we start there and, and then set up your your 2020 report? Sure. Yes. So after 2016, you know, there there was this narrative out there that. Um, you know, oh, white, rural, not, you know, um, non-college educated voters uh, voted for Trump. And there was this hard, it was about economic hardship and Trump appealed to that and he had better solutions. And, oh, Democrats, Clinton's message on the economy wasn't strong enough and and all of that. And since then, um, study after study has sort of debunked that um, notion that economic hardship or anxiety was was driving the vote. And instead, academics, uh, especially, and and we don't have, you know, mainstream media cover a lot of academic um, studies. So we tend to not hear this narrative as much. Yeah, we don't. So we we tend to not hear it. And so, um, but many studies found that it was around, you know, views toward race, um, racism, sex, sexism, uh, and threat to sort of status, people's status, that uh, were much more predictive of people's votes than um, views, issues, experiences, hardship around uh, the economy. One of the things, is it just because mm. it's harder to poll that? Like, why do, why do we focus on, on polling, which is like a really niche sort of, you know, it, it mm-hmm. so much depends on the set of questions that you ask. You guys do such like such a more holistic research when you when you when you actually like have your data set together and you're asking them questions. It's a 360 thing. You're not just looking at like a right. set of five questions that everyone has to answer to. Yeah. Why do we put so much weight on the former and ignore academic research studies? That's sort of a meta question, but it's a good one. Yeah, I mean, part of the big issues and the academic studies as well rely on survey data. So it's not um, it 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 really depends on who's conducting the survey and what questions you ask. Um, you know, we found in this survey, for example, 
one of the top predictors of vote choice was whether you agree or disagree that Kamala Harris is tricking everyone and she only wants to become president herself. Okay, so that was one of the Damn. Yeah, so, but here's the issue. Here's the problem. Nobody's asking that question in a survey, so nobody's going to have that analysis as a result. And the reason, you know, public pollsters and others aren't asking that question, there's two reasons. One is most of what we hear from polling in the mainstream media comes from just a handful of pollsters, you know, um, at various, you know, CNN and New York Times or whatever, and they, they decide what questions to write, and um, they don't do qualitative research, many of them. So we ask that question because we hear it in focus groups, and so we put it in right. our surveys. And, the, and, and by the way, most of these pollsters, I think almost every one of them that I know are, are white, and most of them are men. So who's telling the stories, who's asking the questions, determines what the analysis is and, and how well we understand what, what happens. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. It's exactly yes. how my brain <laughs> thinks about this. Um, especially because, you know, the reason why they don't ask the question, not only are they not hearing it in, in any of the research they're doing, but they, it just doesn't occur to them. It doesn't occur to them. Exactly. Exactly. They just, they have a very... They, unfortunately, they have a limited lived experience. And so it doesn't, it's not even a thought that would occur to them because it's just not how they look at the world. But we look at the world that way. We know the biases are out here. And it's, it's yeah. so interesting when I look at some of the things that you found about the 2020 electorate, because before your study, I wrote a book, The End of White Politics, basically being like Donald Trump exploited white identity politics and mm-hmm. sort of white resentment. And he ran, he used that and ran and won, well, quote unquote, won the election, right? Um, And Mm -hmm. I love that now there's more evidence. (laughs) Now you provided all the evidence um, to confirm that 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 assumption was true, that people who voted for Trump, they didn't do it because he's, you know, he's a successful businessman or whatever crap they they try to tell you or economic anxiety. Mm -hmm. It's because white men... They know that they're becoming a minority or they will become a minority mm-hmm. at some point, white people, um, and they, mm-hmm. they feel their power slipping away. I mean, how does that show up yeah. in responses that you received? And um, how do you sort of see that piece of this um, being missed when we actually talk about what's going on? I mean, the data, I mean, it was really striking in our data set. I mean, it's just almost blinding. Um, we we looked at um, what predicts, the, the way we, we run regression analysis to see what predicts voting Trump or Biden. It's what, we asked 176 questions. We asked about 50 different issues from, you know, draining the swamps, the economy, COVID, healthcare, abortion, whatever. And then we have all these beliefs toward race and gender. So there were essentially four things that drove the vote. One, um, Trump's lies. So Trump, li- Trump lying was a major factor in voting for Biden. Then two, a couple of these perceptions of Trump, like Trump cares about people like me. Trump is a great example of the American dream. Um, I'll get back to that. And then three, it's beliefs and views related to race, gender, and power. So it's, you know, it's about Black Lives Matter. It's Kamala Harris is tricking everyone. It's white men are the most attacked group in the country. That was one of the top predictors. What's just, what's just as interesting is what's not there. So those 50 different issues, not predictors. All right. So it's Trump's lies, hmm. a few things about Trump, Trump, and then it's race and gender and power. And I, 
I literally gasped out loud when I saw the results around Kamala Harris. So then I was like, okay, race, gender, power, um, you know, is highly predictive. So then we created a scale that we call perceived threat to white male dominance, because we have all of these great questions in our survey that speak to that perceived threat. Like white men are the most attacked group in the country. Like these days, society seems to punish men for just for acting like men. Um, like uh, disagreeing that the country would be better off with more women in office, more people of color, um, saying that discrimination against whites has become just as big of a problem. So we had 13 different questions that kind of speak to this threat to white male dominance. It's almost like we added up these questions and then everybody in the survey got a, got, um, got a score of 1 to 10. So 1 means you have the lowest perceived threat uh, to white male dominance. So that means, no, I, I disagree. White, white men are the most attacked group. You know, yes, I agree. The country would be better off with more women, right? 99% of those people who had the lowest, per, lowest uh, perceived threat, who scored a one, 99% of those people voted for Biden. Wow. At the other 99% end, is higher than party ID. Well, that's like 99 percent of Democrats didn't vote for Biden. Ninety nine percent of people who have a low threat to white male dominance voted for Biden. So that is a better indicator than party ID. Well, almost so. And then the people who scored a 10, zero percent voted for Biden. And when you see the chart, you can look at the chart. It's just it's a linear relationship. So that what's shocking is I'm looking at it right now. Okay, so then there's this statistic, you don't have to really understand it, but that that tells us how much does this scale explain people's vote in the survey. And it explains 54% of the variance. Now, for for comparison, ideology, you know, a scale of very liberal to very conservative, that explains 43% of the variance. So this explains more than mm-hmm. more than ideology. Party ID explains 63%. So it explains almost as much as party ID. And in politics and predicting vote, party ID is always, you know, is always number one, right? Or ideology. But among white men, it has just as much power as party ID. Wow. So this is pretty huge. I mean, the scale is like the stats on the scale. It's a really strong scale. It's, it's, um, you know, it's probably the most, you know, um, probably the biggest finding from the study. Um, so yes, you are right. Um, it's, you know, the resentment and, and sort of this perceived threat to what's going on, you know, patriarchy, you know, white supremacy, all of that is, is um, really impactful uh, in, in underlying, you know, people's vote choices. I'm just oh, sort of like darkly chuckling into the middle distance. Like I, this is well, just, it's like, it's like the, it's the research confirmation of what this show has been talking about for years. Yeah. It's like here, oh, here it is. Here's a, here's the chart. Here's your data. Um, oh, I know. I, I love when I have data that of, proves, proves that I was right yeah. about something. That's my favorite kind of data. I know. Data. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice. Um, so yeah. I, I want to ask you about a, a good thing before we before we talk about the Kamala Harris piece a little bit more. Um, and, and one was the one one positive thing that I took away from this study was the shift in consciousness for Democratic voters, for Biden voters. You found yeah. that hostile sexist views among Democratic men have cut in half Ooh. and that Democratic women are now 25 points less likely to say that women of color have equal opportunities to white women. So, so does that mean that like democratic men 
and Democratic white women are are getting better? Yes. Get that more is really exciting news. Hooray! Yay, everyone. <laughs> I mean, huge shifts. And again, you know, this is something we pick up in, in focus groups. And, you know, you don't see a lot of this in the, you know, mainstream polling because they're not asking about it. But, yes, huge shifts. No, you don't. Huge shifts. Huge shifts. So, you know, like among Biden voters, okay, 75% of Biden voters say they've understood more about how laws and systems may be racist in the past four years. 66% say the same thing about sexist, sexism. By the way, four years ago, that would have been, um, you know, 2% understood more about how laws and systems may be. Wow. You know, and like, you know, in 80, what, so 83% of Biden voters in our survey say that at least a li- little sum or, or a major part of their thinking about who should be president was sexism, patriarchy, and misogyny. So 83% of women number. who voted for yeah. Well, guess what the number is for men? Biden men. What? I don't know. Eighty-one <laughs> percent. Uh, wait. So, okay. I was going to guess in the sixties. All right. Yeah. So yeah, it's messy. Yeah. So it's huge. Okay. So and what we, we need to, we need to do is we need to keep talking about these things, Jess, because it's working. <laughs> I think so. It's working and men and I mean, I mean but, Democratic men. They have like they have. They've probably changed the most out of anybody um, and become way per- wow. more progressive on gender. Um, and and even that, we did a survey on um, paid leave, I don't know, like a year or two ago. And my, my partner did it, and he was yeah. like, something's wrong with the data. Democratic men are actually more supportive than Democratic women. I'm like, no. I mean, it was only by a couple <laughs> points, but I'm like, no, nothing's wrong. We've been seeing that on every issue related to gender. So, yeah, a lot a lot has changed. That's really exciting. In a very short amount of Thanks, time. guys. Yeah. No, this well is done, I mean, guys. Yeah, like I, I that is amazing. That demonstrates that men men are able to evolve. And and I mean, sure. sometimes I I can't say that I've always been clear on whether the answer to that question is yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so here's I'm just one very good confused. example. I was in a focus group of like white men in suburban Wisconsin and um, the topic was abortion. Right. And this one guy, you know, like 45 year old dad, whatever, white guy was like, all of a sudden he's like, you know, there's we got to reduce stigma on abortion. And I was just like, what? What? <laughs> Did you just say reading What's happening? Yeah. It's What's amazing. Happening? Yeah. Well, and like the other guys around the table are nodding their heads. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, just it's kind of mind blowing <laughs> stuff in the past four years. We just never, ever, ever heard prior to 2016. Well, I think watching okay. and I, I know we're going to talk about Kamala, but I do have a, just one question before we talk about Kamala. Yeah. Is is seeing Hillary Clinton even like even if these specific men didn't vote for her or like her very much? Is seeing someone that qualified lose to Donald Trump, does that sort of like um, force some of these Democratic men to be like, whoa, sexism is a problem. That's crazy. Because like, it's such an obvious example. Mm-hmm. Is that sort of where the shift starts? Or is it more their interactions with women, their wives are telling them they have daughters, like they have that evolution it could be all those things but i feel like seeing hillary lose even before we get to sort of 
the response to Kamala and Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar and all the other women who ran. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like watching Hillary lose, um, you know, when she was running against like complete dumpster fire, um, like even a 45 year old white man can see the sexism in that. Yeah, I agree. And sort of coming off the, um, you know, the Access Hollywood tape and, you know, being shocked that she lost. Yeah. Yes. The the real change. Um, so I think that was part of it. And then, you know, of course, that triggered, you know, millions of women. And but the, I, I think the real shift probably came from conversations with women as their lives. As mm-hmm. a result of that, had Clinton would have won, yeah. if Clinton won. You know, we we probably wouldn't be seeing any of this. <laughs> you know, interesting. So in a we wouldn't way, be having like, those conversations, right? Exactly, exactly. So, in in that, we only have a couple of minutes left, which kills me because I could talk about this for literally days. But um, tell me about the Kamala Harris uh, findings and and where this idea that she was tricking people um, come from, because that's actually not something that I have heard as one of the like things to say that's mean about Kamala Harris. Yeah. Well, we we did pick that up in focus groups and it um it was a sense of in part at first I think arose possibly with um you know Trump voters looked at Biden as, you know, he's got dementia and he's way too old and he can't even form a sentence and so this is really about Harris. And she's the extreme one and she's tricking everyone and deceiving us and it's all about her being president and blah 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 blah. Um, and I talked to a reporter um, a couple days ago, too, who said when they talked to um, um, sort of religious folks, religious, you know, white um, Trump voters, that it comes up in almost every conversation. <laughs> well, Biden, fine, I can deal with wow. Harris. Yeah. So um, that's where I think it kind of comes from. You know, of course, the underlying, you know, voters can project, you know, their beliefs and their feelings about black people, Asian people, women, power, threat to power, all onto Kamala Harris. You know, she's she's like this walking symbol, um, and she's very she's not defined well at all. You know, so, right. so it's very easy to to project on that. And then we we got this finding, and then I did did a quick search in the Google media. You know, and it's like, oh, up comes this image from Newsmax of um, you know the. You know, the subhead is Kamala Harris is only in it for herself. Then it has a picture of Kamala with a crown on it, on her head, and it says Queen Kamala. You know, and it's just like, oh, okay. So it the the message was out there in, you know, super conservative um, media um, or non-mainstream conservative media. But, yeah, and so, then we looked at – or go ahead. Oh, no, 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 keep going. So then we're like, oh, okay, well, what, what predicts thinking that having this belief that um, Kamala Harris is tricking everyone, she only cares about power herself? Um, and that's where we found that threat to white male dominance score it explains a majority yeah. of the variance there. So it explains 60% of the variance. Party ID only explains 52%. So that's where it's, okay, yeah, that is, that is, quite a bit of confirmation that, makes that this perfect is about sense. Threat to power. Yeah. Yeah. 
That makes perfect sense. All of this makes perfect sense. I wish that like reports like this would be like a block news. We'd all have such a better understanding of what's happening in our political system. Um, Tressa Undem, thank you for doing this work and thank you for explaining it to us and come back and enlighten us on anything you think we ought to know at any time, please. <laughs> I love it. It was great to be here. Super fun. Thanks, yes. Jeff. Blew my mind. Thanks for listening to the Signal Boost podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more news. Thank you.